Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you are. I'm Dave Trumbor from Saturday Morning Cartoons, bringing you a very special interview. On today's show, I'll be talking with Brendan Bradley, creator of the animated short film Baby X. The short, which debuted in 2016 and has gone on to amass over 2 million views on YouTube, is an adaptation of the 1978 short story written by Lois Gould. Now, after the success of Baby X, Brendan has a new animated film that just arrived this week titled Baby S. I won't get into what the new and original story is about here since you can either listen to our conversation to find out more or check out the show notes for a link, but they're both definitely worth a watch. Featuring animation by Tristan Zamet and Rodrigo Diaz-Ricci, Baby X and Baby S tackle some tough topics in an entertaining and conversational way that's reminiscent of a Dr. Seuss story. The voice cast includes Marisha Ray, Tara Platt, Matthew Mercer, Yuri Lowenthal, Ashley Clements, and Brendan himself as the narrator for both films. Those names should be familiar to a lot of our listeners out there, so see if you can recognize their voices when you watch. We hope you take a few minutes out of your day to watch the short films, and if you're interested in learning about how they came together and what it's like getting independent animation off the ground, join us for the chat, which follows right about now. Okay, so today I'm talking with Brendan Bradley, and Brendan, before I get too far into my own spiel here, would you like to introduce yourself to the folks out there and kind of explain... I guess we could call you a multi-hyphenate at this point. I don't even know how to how to pare you down for all the different things that you do. Yeah, too many hyphens, really. Um, I guess I have I've worked out how to make my schizophrenia my profession, which is great. Um, I I'm a actor, writer, director, producer um, that works all over the place, mostly in narrative content. That has always been my baby. Um, but I really kind of got started in the early YouTube days before there was money or an audience. You could actually be on the front page back then. So that's when I first dipped my toe in the, the digital playground. And I've been making scrappy independent stories ever since. Absolutely. And just for transparency's sake for our listeners out there, uh, you and I have known each other for uh, a couple of years now. Um, and it was through absolutely yeah through a Kickstarter campaign. I don't know if you want to mention that or talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I uh, I started with one, my best friend from college. We started a playing card game, basically Magic the Gathering for fitness, where you would deal out a hand of creatures that were correlated with exercises, and you would perform those exercises so that you could build up your scoring and your attack and defendability. Uh, it was called Battle Mat. We did very well on Kickstarter, and then we launched for about a year after that, and we dissolved shortly thereafter because of life and too many side hustles, and my business partner wanted to um, continue growing his actual real-life family. But we met through there, and I actually, one of my first and only uh, patron subscriptions was to the OG podcast that you had back in the day that has now evolved into this incredible feat. Yeah, exactly. So it was kind of cool how this all kind of came full circle. And if you're wondering why Brendan and I are talking today, it's because he has a number of animated projects that are out there in the works. One just celebrated a milestone, and that's kind of where we're going to start today's discussion. So the short film uh, Baby X recently crossed uh, 2 million views on YouTube, which for me is like, I don't know, that's a huge milestone to me. I don't know how you feel about that. What is, what is your kind of reaction? How, how many people have gotten a chance to see this? I'm ecstatic by the audience that has really found this short film, especially because this was a, a childhood story I grew up with. I actually didn't write Baby X. It's from a short story from Lewis Gould, who started Ms. Magazine in the 1970s. And this was her take on unisex culture and gender identity and basically raising a child without the construct of gender. 
And my parents used to read this story to my siblings and I. I really loved it growing up. And when I first set into making my very first animated project, I was like, I have always wanted to see this story come to life. And so I kind of dipped my toe in. And the idea that it has now found an entire new audience, not just with the original conversation regarding gender fluidity and identity, but also the trans community is really identified with it. Um, the pansexual community is really identified with it. It's been really fascinating to see different cultures that have really latched onto the messaging that is within this small little short story from the 1970s. So first of all, again, congratulations on the, the viewership for that and also the reception that it's gotten too. I'm glad, you know, people got a chance to see it and then they responded positively to it. That's always a nice, <laughs> a nice kind of bonus when you put something like that out there in the world. Right. Well, it is the internet, so not everybody has been positive, but that's part of the, that's part of the game. And honestly, what I've been so impressed by is that it's not, I've, I've dealt with trolling my entire life on the internet, but this has been really interesting to watch that even if there's negative conversation happening in the comments or around a con uh, piece of content like this, it's really cool to see that it's actually coming from an intellectual place. People are actually wanting to have a conversation about gender identity, whatever their take on that is. And so whether I personally believe it's positive or negative, as long as no one's bullying each other or insulting each other, I actually think as uncomfortable as it sometimes gets, it's a really cool and productive conversation to be happening. And what a cool way to have it when it's against the backdrop of basically an animated children's film. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of those conversations and the reception to Baby X, have you had a chance to personally kind of dig into those conversations or is it more just people on the internet conversing with each other? And have you learned anything from the conversations that you may have had? I've definitely, I learn something every single day on just my exposure to different people with a different background and a different lens on the world. Um, early on, I did make the mistake of trying to weigh in and basically say, no, no, this is what the film is about. And very quickly it became apparent it's a piece of art. It doesn't really matter what my take on it is. It's been made for the consumer and for the viewer. And it's not my place to tell them what to think or feel about it. They should get to have that experience. And so very quickly... I've learned to have my little comments where I step in and say, hey, let's be nice to each other or to correct some misassumptions about the content. I know very early on it is dated. It's from the 70s. So there's some slight, you know, colloquialisms that we don't use the same way anymore. And so people who may have gotten thrown off guard or offended by that, I've been able to say, hey, I get it. It's from the 70s. It's a little outdated. But you know, it wasn't written last year to offend you. So just a quick history lesson on what the context of this piece is, but a great point. I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because as I was watching it, which was fantastic, but there were a couple things that I noticed. I was like, ooh, that's a little dated. And then, you know, knowing yeah. that it was from Gold Story, and I also had a run-in, a very similar run-in kind of with um, when the Rocco's Modern Life, the recent special came out that deals with a trans character. I had to be very uh -huh. careful, my co-host and I, and actually the interview with the creator as well, we had to be very careful about the pronouns or the verbiage that we used or just the uh, words that we assigned to people. And that wasn't something that was intuitive to me. I had to learn that. So... It, those are learning experiences. So I'm glad that something like Baby X, that Rocco static cling is out there in the world. So people, you know, whether you enjoy it, whether you want to have a conversation about it or not, you're going to learn something from it. You're going to be exposed to something you may not have been exposed to, which is why I think it's great.
Absolutely. And I know a lot of people, I think, get threatened a little bit by like, well, I don't know the right pronouns to use, or I'm, I'm not sure how to have the conversation. What's actually really been inspiring to me is the conversation is evolving. Like our understanding of taking into account everybody's identity and perspective is always changing and evolving. So you're not, quote unquote, behind. You're just getting exposed to different things at different points in your timeline. So there's going to be a different and better way to have this dialogue next year that will make Baby X completely outdated. And that's okay. It's part of the evolving societal conversation. And so I think that there's an entry point for anybody, no matter their comfort level, no matter their where they identify, to at least try to engage with this content so that they can start to have their own ideas, philosophies, reactions, and education around these topics. Yeah, and I love that this story, well, both of your stories, but we'll get to Baby S in a minute, but I love that Baby X, like you mentioned, it works as a children's story too. So it's an animated children's story. You can broach this conversation with the youngsters out there, but it's also, you know, subject material that we are still grappling with and trying to understand today. So it's a great first step for that conversation as well. I'm wondering though, what was it that kind of triggered in your mind the idea like, hey, this would be a great story to adapt, and I want to do an animation. How did those two decisions come about? I think first and foremost, it's just a story that has always stuck with me. And when it came to, I've done a lot of live action content, but I'd never done anything animated. And I wasn't necessarily sure how to write for animation. And I knew this story came originally published with a few little drawings to kind of suggest the universe. And so I had a visual of what the world looked like. And I also knew that to tell a story like this, I didn't want to get into the situation where I cast an actor that was or was not either identified male, female, or didn't identify either way, and have it become the audience trying to guess what the outcome was. And so by making it fully animated and really playing with the universe itself, I mean, I have male actors voicing what traditionally look like what you would think maybe traditionally were female drawn characters. And I have female actors voicing what are traditionally drawn like male characters. So in this universe, I'm completely throwing out the rules of gender parity and basically just saying like, anybody can be anything because I'm not here for you to try to guess who is what. I'm here for you to listen to the themes of the story. And I love that you kind of use the story itself as that framework so you didn't have to build everything just from scratch. Because I feel like your first animated effort, there's probably enough of <laughs> a challenge there for you to figure things out. <laughs> you don't need more layered on top of you. So how did the learning experience from the first film now sort of transition to your, your second animated short story? So the second one is called Baby S, and it launched this week, which is why we're having this conversation, and I'm excited to get to talk about them all. And basically, I threw Baby X online after it had gone to film festivals and done its little thing, and I was like, look, I made this for the world. I don't expect, look, no one gets into short film because they're going to be a millionaire. And I was like, hey, let me just put this in the world so that anybody can watch it. And I was not expecting, of all the different projects I've been associated with, this one just picked up a lot more steam than some of the others. And so when it hit a million views, and I was actually looking at a little bit of AdSense money from YouTube, I thought, let me roll this into a continuation of the universe. And that made me think, let me develop a secondary short. And I thought about the key of Baby X really opens up when the child that has been raised in a particular household with a particular set of rules suddenly goes to school, and it's the interaction with other children, kind of as a 
allegory for interacting in society where we all bring our different lifestyles and experiences and familial patterns. And I thought that's where the story really opens up. So what if I examine a different child in that school or on that playground and what their extraordinary home life is or home situation is that they bring to the classroom? And so just to clarify for our listeners out there, this is kind of based in that same same world, same uh, sort of established sandbox, but it's an original story. Is that correct? Yes. Basically, this is a fully original story inspired by the universe that I kind of codified when I was building Baby X and releasing that short film. And Baby S is a different child that goes to this school or is in this same universe. And I like to think of it as a, if you are familiar with the duck and cover PSAs from the 40s or 50s, uh, that's, that is the look and feel of this film. There's a very whimsical narrator and there's, it's kind of this monochromatic uh, color palette and it's very simplistic flash style animation that kind of tells the story, but almost in a kind of counter, I think of it as uh, propaganda for positivity. Um, where we're saying positive messages through the lens of what normally looks like propaganda film. And since you mentioned propaganda, I kind of want to talk about the thematic nature of it before I get back to the animation, the incredible voice cast that you've put together for this. So, you know, talking about Baby X, you talked about some trans or pansexual or a variety of kind of, you know, quote-unquote non-typical as we we may assume it. You didn't exactly shy away from uh, difficult (laughs) or controversial topics with Baby S. So for the folks out there, what's kind of the high-level synopsis for Baby S? Baby S is a story about a young girl who grows up in a family that has a predator habitat. So for their life, they take care of lots of dangerous animals And she has always wanted to have a baby snake. And so it is essentially a parable of the responsibility that comes with owning a dangerous pet or, to extend it further, a dangerous thing. And it's really a conversation around gun ownership, specifically from the lens of I'm not here to say no one should have guns or everyone should have guns. I'm here to say there are people who grow up as responsible gun owners But there are common sense things that those very responsible gun owners are doing that I think gets lost in the shuffle of the conversation when we're trying to have a conversation about gun control because we try to treat it as this all or nothing thing when we can't simply pretend that there aren't a large swath of people that do own weapons um, and that they are going to have feelings about that. And so by setting it inside a universe, I grew up not in a household with guns or with dangerous pets or with a snake. But when you start having a conversation about if you did have a pet snake, what would the rules be around having a pet snake? Would you be able to take that pet snake to the grocery store? Probably not. It'd be really weird to do that. So somewhere in here is a line that we have societally defined as to what would be considered acceptable and non-acceptable behavior from owning something very dangerous. Now, here's one of the many things about this short that's only, you know, it's about 10 minutes long, but there's a lot packed into it. One of the many things that's interesting to me is you found a way to talk about this uh, subject and this topic without that sort of reactionary, immediate knee-jerk kind of pullback, at least I hope, from most people as they're watching it. I'm sure you're going to get people who react one way or the other. But for me, you know, it was, it was very much a like, okay, I get what's going on. I get this on a level of like, I can show this to, uh, you know, to a child, to my nephew, 
whoever and explain the ideas of like being responsible and there are dangerous things in the world some of them we you know we are much closer to than <laughs> sometimes is is uh, a good idea but if you're right. responsible and and you take the right precautions it's okay to manage those situations if you do it right but at the same time you can have the same conversation with people who are maybe you know uh, you know nra card carrying members and i love the national reptile association um in this short yeah. by the way but also people like me like i i currently i do have a, a gun in the house I grew up in a hunting family, you know, multi-generational hunting family. They still hunt today uh, up in Pennsylvania. But to your point, we always had everything was in a gun cabinet. Everything was under lock and key. Right. My dad and I went to hunting classes. We went to, you know, weapons training classes and things like that. There are tons and tons and tons of people in this country who are responsible gun owners, but also want common sense, maybe, maybe reforms, maybe legislation, things like that. Year short doesn't get too far into that, but it does approach and broach the, the topic of just having this conversation. So how did you find that balance of, of not being too preachy one way or the other, but also having something substantial to say? I think the key was I wanted to follow the formula of baby X. And I think that really helped me again, the way that baby X helped me evolve into kind of dip my toe into making an animated project but it had a codified universe it had a great story the format of it allowed me to approach okay what is another deep societal issue that has a very polarizing effect and people basically already made up their minds about it when they hit play that you're just inviting them literally to the playground to have maybe a different approach to it or to see someone else's perspective on it just so that you're invited to start thinking about the themes of the issue rather than the talking points you've heard over and over and over again. And so that led me to go, okay, I need to start in the home with baby S and her family. What is normative to them? What is their culture, their lifestyle, which may be different than the viewer is experienced to, or the viewer might go, yeah, no, we grew up around dangerous things and we were very responsible and that's how that goes. And then evolve that into, so what happens when that comes into contrast with other cultures, with other people, with other societies. And the real issue that gets for the viewers, you know, I, I don't think I'm giving up the game here, but the little girl S brings her snake to school to show off to her classmates. And the snake gets loose because it's a snake. You know, if you brought a dog to, to class, it would probably get wandering. So by following this story, I'm able to, in a somewhat safe way, have a larger conversation about going through the experience of a school shooting or a school violence in incident without it becoming a blame game about, well, this person did this or this. It's like, look, the snake got away. It's the snake's fault at the end of the day. And we know that in real life, a gun is not going to get legs and walk away. It's going to be, the issue is going to be instigated by an individual often. But in, in the case of this, there's some safety into making it so fictional and so fanciful and so elevated in the animated universe that can we can really just explore the themes of it and the emotions of it from kind of a removed place. So that allowed me to kind of approach the whole concept of gun control through the lens of what if we replace the word gun with a snake. And that became really enjoyable because then I can, I do kind of wink and nod to a lot of standard talking points, for example, I got into the notion of what happens whenever there is any incident involving a gun. Well, the media starts running, 
these breaking news reports with statistics and pictures of random snakes. Like, we suddenly get inundated with information that doesn't actually pertain to the situation. We're just trying to cover the idea of the situation. I talk about snake bite becoming a, a trending hashtag on social media. Uh, the National Reptile Association suggests sending friendly snakes into the school to stop the bad snake. And the mayor says that he's thinking good thoughts for the students. And it really is able to riff on the concept of all of that is absurd when we talk about a snake being on the loose. And maybe then that allows us to approach the gun control conversation just from a different lens. I'm not here to necessarily navigate the outcomes because I can't create law. But I can at least let people think about, yeah, no, that that isn't the best approach. Maybe there's a different approach. Let's have a dialogue about it. Yeah. And, and again, another thing that I loved about this is that it is a satire, but it's not it's not really cutting. It's not like a biting satire. It's not done to be cynical. Yeah. It's not done to be mean. It's just, it's very approachable. It's, it's very much. And, and also for our snake lovers out there, don't worry. Snakes are not, you know, held up as like this evil thing that <laughs> kills everybody. It's just, I love the snake design actually. They're just kind of doing their own snake thing. But to your whole point of this, this short, they can be dangerous. They need to be handled responsibly. That's kind of the main message here so I, I like that you you know didn't go the, the evil snake route which was also good but yeah i would no. say and this this would come across as like as some high praise but i feel like if dr seuss was around today and had to translate wow. some of our societal issues into ways that kids could understand them and hopefully have parents be able to have those conversations and maybe even understand something themselves it feels like it's in that a similar world have you heard that at all? That I have not heard that, and I will take that to the bank. That is very high praise. <laughs> Thank you. I think the, exactly. It's on the it's on the DVD. Um, my my highest praise I've actually received is that my goddaughter and her father had a really cool conversation about the responsibility of. She was able to say, "Well, but she she was responsible. She was taking care of the snake." And her dad was able to say, "Right, but she didn't tell her parents she had the snake, which is not responsible." And they were able to have a very cool conversation about you can be you can think you're being very, very responsible, but we have made the rules that you tell mom and dad when you're going to do something dangerous or when you're coming across something like this. And so she actually didn't do the right thing. And let's have a conversation about how S didn't do the right thing so that maybe just my goddaughter can learn, oh, if she stumbled across, whether it's a snake or whether it's anything dangerous, she remembers, oh, right, I'm supposed to talk to my parents about this. Exactly. And it, it also goes to the point that like, even if you take all the precautions in the world and are the most responsible snake wrangler, gun owner, whatever it is, things are going to happen that you didn't plan for that are beyond your control. So if you have that conversation ahead of time, like, okay, I know these risks, is that risk worth the um, enjoyment or the comfort or whatever you get from having that thing in your life to begin with? And I think that's a very important question and the that you theme, ask first. Yeah. yeah. And the theme that I land on in the very end with the mom is it's a little work for a lot of trust, which is just, yes, locking it in a safe or getting the right inspections and permits, you know, whatever it is, we all do little things for the hobbies or for the lifestyles that we want to have when they might possibly. Look, I stop at a stop sign. Right. Like we, we've all agreed I'm going to stop here because it's better for everybody. It's safer for everybody. It's just a precaution that I'm going to take. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. There is there is the rolling stop, but you know. Well, I love the two that you have little little nods like that throughout the animation, and I want to I want to touch on the more uh, kind of the technical production side of this as well. But there's a little a little sequence where S is talking about kind of like. She's like, I can, I can do what I want. I'm responsible. I know how to handle this. I can take it to school and show my friends and it'll be fine. And as she's saying this, she's kind of like, she's in the, um, I think she's in the school bus with the seatbelt on. And there's kind of a slow kind of zoom in on the seatbelt, which, you know, as yep. we know in this country and other countries as well, were not regulated up until about what, 60 years ago, something like that. And then that yep. became a federal regulation for safety. And now it's something that whether you wear it or not, whatever, but it's there, it's mandatory and you can be fined if you don't wear it right so i just love those little nods in the animation thing so so speaking to the animation you did not animate this yourself so you reached out to find an animator how did you sync up with your animator and how did you go about finding the look uh for for this short but also uh for baby x originally too it all started with baby x i um i i actually purchased on ebay it was hard to find but there were there was a, a limited edition run of the original Baby X story that was originally printed in a magazine that then did a hardcover children's book. And again, this is the thing that has like a couple little, and again, it's like a Dr. Seuss where it's a couple pages and then it has a couple illustrations to kind of set the tone. And they're very whimsical and fun. And I took those pages, scanned them, and then cast the net into the fiery ball of the internet to say, does anybody know someone who takes commissions or draws using this style um, or is familiar with this style or comfortable with this style. And I talked to a bunch of different animators and I found an incredible guy named Tristan Toda who took on Baby X and we worked very closely together, slowly developing what each character design looked like, then slowly designing the animatic together and the general kind of boarding, and then moving to the actual single line animation and then few accents of color throughout. And that was how we kind of slowly standardized and codified the universe. For Baby S, I actually got approached by a different animator who really enjoyed Baby X on a community called Starable, where you share different web content. Uh, and he and I talked about, hey, would you ever want to make another one of these? And so he and I actually co-wrote and went back and forth writing this uh, Baby S short and the kind of general themes of it, and then slowly developing out the character designs for that and the animatic for that and the boarding uh, until we came across with the final piece. So it's been really cool as someone who can basically draw stick figures to work very closely and collaboratively with some very passionate and talented visual artists who have really taken ownership over the universe of Baby X and Baby S. I love that. And and not only on this podcast, but on Collider as well, where the podcast lives now. I, I For the longest time, I tried to do sort of indie spotlights for you know, student films, short films, up and coming animators. So I love being able to get back to that and find, you know, this very, this very grassroots kind of pared down effort to bring something like this uh, into the world, which I think is fantastic. Well, in that case, I will give a huge, I will give a huge shout out and megaphone to Rodrigo Ricci, who is the animator of Baby S, who is an independent animator who puts out an incredible volume of his own animated shorts on YouTube. Um, and he does not get the traction or the views that he deserves. So if you're looking for someone to subscribe to, definitely check out ROD Animation is his channel. And we will do our best to amplify that as well. You can, if you're listening to the podcast, you'll be able to find all that contact information on the site. Just click through to the article and we will share that with you. Uh, as far as your cast, though, you've assembled some 
pretty notable names uh, for your for both of these shorts. Can you talk about how that came together and who is featured in both of the uh, the Baby S and Baby X shorts? Absolutely. Uh, I am very, very lucky, again, to have fallen into the early YouTube sandbox uh, when I first started working in digital film. And through that, I met a lot of other passionate, independent creators who have since gone on to, of course, because they were so talented and passionate back then, grow these massive careers. And so we have Yuri Lowenthal as the voice in both shorts. We have Kirsten Vangsnes as the voice in both shorts, uh, Ashley Clements, Tara Platt. And then for Baby X, uh, what was uh, Matthew Mercer and Marisha Ray in Baby X, what I did was basically call everybody up and my audio engineer, Eric Scott Smith, who also is uh, a voice in both shorts. We invited everybody over to his house to record Baby X. And I basically said, come on over, record some voices. I'll cook some barbecue. And we got so lost in the technical side that I burned all the barbecue, just lit it all on fire for leaving it there for way too long. So nobody got fed and everybody was super generous and super nice to still sit there patiently and drink some water and uh, record this thing. So I owe everybody a huge meal. Um, and for Baby S, um, that was such a positive experience. People really loved being a part of the culture around Baby X and the conversation that when I went to voice Baby S, I reached back out to the original team and I just said, here's what I'm trying to do. If you're available, that's awesome. And so some of the people who were available then came and gave their their time and their voice. And a couple other people were busy this go around, but basically said, hey, when when you do the next one, let me know. So it, what I really want to do is continue celebrating the ensemble that is invested in this universe and then continue to grow it over time. And you were also the voice of the narrator in both shorts, is that correct? Yes. And I chose to be the voice of the narrator uh, in Baby X specifically because I wanted Baby X to not have a gender. So by the narrator voicing all those lines, you couldn't sit there and be like, oh, I think I hear Yuri Lowenthal playing the X, so I think it's a male, or it's Tara Platt, so I think it's a female. Instead, it's, nope, it's the narrator, so it could really go either way. And then because I'd kind of standardized and unified that in Baby X, I just continued that conceit into Baby S. Fantastic. And then hopefully we get to hear all the voices in your upcoming series, Baby A through Z, as you produce 24 more of these, I'm sure, over the years, right? Every time it hits a million views, I will try to produce another one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, before I run out of time with you today, I know you got to head out. Why was it important for you, if you can kind of sum up in maybe a sentence or two, why was it important for you to bring both of these stories into the world and share them with people, not expecting necessarily anything in return? I mean, I think that is the constant conversation as an artist, is that you just feel like you've got to share your lens with the world, whether that's one person or one million people. And, you know, Baby X was such an important story to me. And I am amazed because to me growing up, it was a staple in our household. And it's phenomenal how many people never heard the story. And so for them, watching the animated short is the first time they've ever even heard of the story. And I think it's such a powerful and great story. And so then when it came for Baby S, it really got into I, I wrote a bunch of letters to my representatives about um, questions about gun control and about like, what can I do and, and what, how can I get involved? And ultimately, the answer that I came away with was everyone I was talking to already had made up their mind about what they thought about this issue. And so I really wasn't going to be able to constructively contribute to a dialogue specifically about the talking points that everybody's already decided on. And instead, as an artist, what I can do is put into the world 
a piece of art that creates conversation. And so by removing it, by animating it, by making it very artistic and very whimsical and removing it from our own day-to-day and our own established talking points, I just hoped that people could want to participate in the dialogue, which is what I want to do as an artist, is just be a part of the conversation, not necessarily dictate the conversation. Well, as someone who wasn't familiar with the original story and also someone who appreciates all things animation, I just want to thank you for bringing both of them into the world. Uh, My last question for you today is what's up next for you that you could tease or talk about other than Baby S? Absolutely. Well, because I've now had such a great experience working collaboratively with animators, uh, I have now convinced myself that I want to figure out how to animate. So I have been teaching myself Unity, um, the gaming engine, for the last six months, and I have built uh, a 3D world that I am animating for a narrative feature film called A Tale Told by an Idiot, which is an adaptation of Shakespeare's Macbeth set in the startup world of a VR game, a VR video game. So it follows kind of this incubator house where they're building the game, and the in-game characters start predicting the future to the company's CEO about investing and where the company's going, and they all start vying for equity and trying to basically kick each other out of the company and kill each other off. So if you like Shakespeare and nerdy Macbeth references, got a little bit of that for you. If you like VR gaming, we totally troll all the weird stuff that's happening in that industry and cryptocurrency and a lot of zeitgeisty stuff. And then if you like animation, I am slamming my head against a desk pretty much every night at 3 a.m., slowly rendering out uh, 3D models and 3D animation to bring the in-game characters to life. Do you have any kind of timeline yet on when we could expect that and maybe have you back on the show to talk about it? Absolutely. Uh, The timeline was going to be by the end of the year. Um, You know, that was before I decided to learn how to animate. So (laughs) I I definitely, we're on a great track. It's looking great. It's coming out. It's just obviously the, the technical perfectionism of being like, well, I think I could get that shot a little better or that mouth movement can match a little more. Uh, So I'm hoping that by the end of the year, we are finished and then figuring out what the release strategy is, whether that's film festivals, whether that's an independent release, whether that's a screening, uh, we will see. And I will definitely let you and your listeners know. Sounds great. We'll be following along with the progress of that. But as for today, thank you so much for taking the time out of your crazy schedule uh, to talk about Baby X and Baby S. And from all of us here at Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast, We wish you the best of luck with this project and many more to come. Well, thank you, Dave, and I'll be listening on the other end. Dave here again to say thanks to Brendan once again for his time, and thanks to all of you out there for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoons. We'll see you next time.